0: Now, there are certain words that if you think about it, we just don't like to hear. For example, if you're a a child in this room or you're a teenager in this room and you go to the store or you find something that you want and you go to your parents and you ask them, can mom and dad, can you please buy me this candy or this toy or this car or or clothing, piece of clothing? Or maybe when you were a child, you remember going to your parents and asking them for certain things and they would say to you this word that you didn't like to hear. Do you know what the word is? No. No, we don't like to hear that word, or, or as an adult, we don't like to hear politicians or people use this two-letter word called tax increases. We don't like to hear that word, or, or perhaps if you uh, had a meeting with your boss, you don't like to hear the word pay cut when you're dealing with your income and your expenses and all those things that are happening, or perhaps you're at the doctor's office and you hear the, the dreaded C word, the word Cancer. We don't like to hear that word, or if you think about it, we don't like to hear that word if you're married to someone someday that your, your spouse decides to use the D word on you and say, divorce, I want a divorce. We don't like to hear those words, or perhaps if you own a business and you realize that your expenses are higher than your income and you have to get to a, a point in that decision that you, you think about that B word or you have to go through that B word called Bankrupt. Or some of those words we don't like to hear. Or maybe at the end of the day, your, 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 your boss or your supervisor calls you into the office and they say these two words that we don't like to hear, you're fired. We don't like those words at all, if you think about it. We don't like those words. And there's probably other words in your mind that you don't like to hear. They turn you off or whatever it may be. But there is one word that doesn't seem right to us in the days that we're living in or that we experience in this thing called life. And it's the word called empty. Empty. For example, how many of you have ever experienced an empty tank of gas? Raise your hand. You won't believe this, but this morning, there was an individual that drove into our parking lot, and guess what? He ran out of gas. And Pastor David had gas. Well, not that kind of gas, but a gas, you know, a tank of gas and so forth. And he gave him a little bit of uh, gas, and, and he went his way, but he somehow invited him to come back. Someone invited him to come back. Not only did he go and get gas, but he came back. And he listened to the service at, this, at the sunrise service. God works in mysterious ways, amen? But how many of you in this room, I remember I had just dropped off my son Mark at Turtleback Elementary School, and I was on E. Now, we're living in a day and age where your car will tell you how many miles you, you have left until you run out of gas. But mine was so low that it said, you better get it quick, brother. You know? I mean, it was low. It was so low that when I left the school and I started going down the hill, it ran out of gas. We've all experienced something like that. Or, or maybe we, we try to see how far we can go, you know, to see how much gas we can get out of the mileage in our car whatever it may be. But Or maybe you're here this morning and you, you filled up a nice bowl of Lucky Charms or, or your favorite cereal and you were so looking forward to it. Or maybe you were putting together some ingredient and you realized you needed milk and you opened up the refrigerator and bam, there it is. An empty carton of milk. And nobody told you that they needed milk. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying this morning? You've been there, done that, or maybe you even did it. You, you, dropped, you, you, you poured all the milk in, you realize it's empty, and you're like, I'm just going to put it in there so it looks like it's full. Nobody likes a carton of milk that's empty. Or maybe you look at your checking account, and you look at your income, and you look at your expenses, and you get to a point as you're adding up the numbers, and you realize that you are empty there's not enough money in the bank and you have certain decisions that you have to make in your life. None of us like an empty checking account. Or maybe you're a, chi- you're a couple and your last child left the house and you're like, yes, we can turn their room into a hot tub room or into a pool table or whatever it may be. None of us like those kind of things and especially when they leave our house and then you and your spouse are filled with being empty nesters. Or maybe, perhaps you lost a loved one and then where you and your spouse used to watch TV or lie in a bed or whatever it may have been or watching in the kitchen while you were preparing a meal, now all of a sudden there's an empty chair. There's an empty chair. There was once someone sitting in that chair, and now all of a sudden the chair is empty. Or maybe you're hungry right now, and your stomach is talking to you and saying, Orale, you know, whatever it may be. It's growling at you. Why is your stomach growling at you? It is because your stomach is saying that you are on empty We don't like that word. Being empty, uh, if you think about it, friends, sometimes it's just hard. It's difficult. And there is nothing darker or feeling emptier than a grave. There is nothing darker or emptier than a tomb. When you think about those things, when you look at a picture of a tomb, when when you see a tomb or whatever it may be, it is lifeless. There is no life in a tomb. There is no life in a grave in those kind of settings or situations. Matthew 27, 60 says he put Jesus' body in a new tomb that he had cut off a wall of rock. And he rolled a a large stone to the block, the entrance of a tomb. And Jesus on that day that he died, he was literally placed in a dark, tight catastrophic room and was shut sealed by a large circular slate of rock in that moment and the light of the world think about this the light of the world was clothed in 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 cloth and and basically was there in that situation shuttered in utter darkness the hope of humanity was now shut in a tomb that was lifeless let me ask you a question this morning maybe there's been a time in your life that you felt empty Maybe you feel empty right now. Maybe you feel empty spiritually. Maybe you feel empty mentally. You're exhausted. Maybe you feel empty relationally. You wish that you could mend those relationships that you had before COVID-19 happened. But now all of a sudden you don't even have a lot of friends. You don't have a lot of relationships and you feel empty. Maybe you feel empty physically. I don't know where you may be, friends, but when we think about being empty, when we go through states of emptiness in our lives, we usually feel disappointed. Let me ask you this. When when your gas tank tank runs out of gas and you end up pulling over to the side, are you like, yes, woohoo, I've run out of gas, I'm going to be late for work. I'm going to be late for picking up my kids. No, we're usually disappointed. We're usually disappointed when we run out of gas, or maybe when you feel empty, you're you're going through a state of misery, or heartache, or anxiety, or frustration, or fear, or loneliness, or stress, but when you go through those seasons of being empty, or going through a state of emptiness, you feel all those emotions, and then some, and perhaps the next time that you feel boxed in pain, maybe the next time you feel boxed in frustration, or a stone has sealed your exit to peace in your heart and in your life, I want you to focus on the portion of God's Word that we read about when Mary Magdalene went and saw Jesus, and then she went back with others to tell Peter and disciples when they came back from the tomb where Jesus laid, they said two simple words opposite of the meaning of what we usually think about when we hear the word empty, and that is this. When you think about the tomb, friends, it is empty. The tomb is empty today and forevermore. Amen? It was empty 2,000 plus years ago. It's empty today. And it will be empty forevermore. Because the tomb is no longer inhabited by a physical body. The dead body is gone. The tomb where Jesus laid is empty. Somebody shout hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! How many of you are thankful for the empty grave? Amen? I'm thankful that it's empty. And I know that you are. Matthew 28, 6 says, for he is not here. He has risen. Amen. God is so good. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And I want to minister to you about how his resurrection from 2000 plus years ago still impacts our lives today. And will continue to impact our lives forevermore. Now, the Redeemer of Scripture, Jesus Christ, who was promised by God, came to us to simply save us, to deliver us, to to redeem us, to restore us and the world that we live in. And because of his resurrection, because of Jesus being our Redeemer, there's three simple things that I want you to remember. Because of the redemption of our Redeemer, Jesus, he wipes out the record of sins of our past. He wipes them out. Now, how many of you have ever had an accident or a ticket? Don't raise your hand, maybe. But if you've ever gotten a ticket or an accident, it stays on your record for a couple of years and then eventually it's erased. But for all of us in this room, there's things that have happened in our lives that we've done to others or that have been done to us. But Jesus, our Redeemer, wipes out the record of our sins of past. And he doesn't have to wait two or three or four or seven years To get them off of our record. The day that you and I decided to make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. He wiped out the record of sins of our past. Amen. Because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus our Redeemer. He is the Savior of our present day. And because He is the Savior of our present day. He gives us life. And He gives it to us more abundantly. He gives us a new life. He gives us new meaning. He gives us new structure. He gives us a new focus. He gives us a new plan. Because our Redeemer lives. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, our Redeemer, He gives us hope for our future. He gives us hope for our future. I know last year that when you were watching in your home or we couldn't gather together in church, we wondered, how long is this thing going to last? Or are we ever going to be able to get together again? Or whatever it may be. But because Jesus is our, our Redeemer, He gives us hope for our future. Let me tell you something, friends. The mask that you're wearing today, you are not going to have to wear for all eternity. Amen? There's no such thing as social distancing in heaven. God doesn't look at everyone and say six feet, no, three feet, no, four feet, no, three. No, there is none of that. He gives us hope for our future. And we need to remember today that our God will deliver us. Just like He delivered the children of Israel who left Egypt and were bound by slavery. He will not hold our sins against us. He will be with us during our todays. He will be with us during our tomorrows. And He will be with us for all eternity. For those who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Somebody praise Him this morning. Unfortunately... Unfortunately, we have all broken God's perfect law. We've all broken God's perfect standards. We're clearly guilty as charged. There's sometimes that you'll watch a trial on TV and you'll say, that guy's guilty as charged. That woman is guilty as charged. Or you might be on a jury or whatever it might be, and you're thinking to yourself, that person is guilty as charged. You and I are guilty as charged. But someone like a lawyer who presents a case to prove his or her clients innocent, Jesus does the unthinkable. He took the punishment for us. His death on the cross, his lifeblood paid our penalty. And all through the Old Testament, God instructs followers of him to bring forth this perfect spotless lamb to be the redemption for their sins. But as a part of his redeeming plan, the Son of God promised the Messiah. And the Messiah came to earth finally. And he offered himself as the perfect once and all sacrifice. And that was Jesus our Lord. Jesus is our Redeemer. His life and death resurrection enabled God to declare that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be found not guilty. You went from guilty to not guilty because of the blood of the Lamb and because Jesus has rose from the grave. Amen. And it's because of that, that we're able to stand innocent or we're able to stand before him, even though we stand sometimes innocent or righteous before him. But we have to remember that even though our Redeemer lives, there's a portion of Scripture that reminds us of who we are. It's found in Romans three twenty three and Romans three eleven through twelve, and it tells us that we're all sinners. It tells us that no one, not one person on earth is righteous or pure before God. And if you think about that, that we've all sinned and that there's no one that is righteous to stand pure before God, that's bad news. That's really difficult news to think about. But because our Redeemer lives, He gives us the ability as Christians to go through and to deal with certain things in our life. Number one, because our Redeemer lives, He gives us the ability to handle difficult trials. He gives us the ability to handle difficult trials. You don't have to turn to drugs or alcohol. You don't have to turn to addictions in your life. You can turn to the B-I-B-L-E. You can turn to the Word of God, God's plan of salvation, to help you, to set you free, to, to help you to handle the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations that you face. Why? Because Jesus assists us to the adverse situations that we face in life. And it's from those situations that our character is shaped, that it's from those situations that our faith is get, it gets stronger How many of you have ever overcome a difficult trial or tribulation in your life? You didn't do it on your own. You did it because of the power of God. Yes, you did the natural and God did the supernatural. But you could never have done it without our Redeemer who lives today. The second thing is because our Redeemer lives, he gives us the ability as Christians to forgive others and to forgive ourselves. To forgive others and to forgive ourselves. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What would you say to a friend who betrayed you? You probably maybe post something on social media about them or who knows what. Maybe write them a letter or send them a text. But what would you say to a friend who betrayed you? What would you say? What would you do if everyone who loved you, everyone who cared for you, everyone that you worked with just decided one day that they didn't love you anymore and they just wanted to desert you? They didn't want anything to do with you. What would you say to a friend who disowned you? What would you say to someone who called down curses, swearing he didn't even know who you were? Maybe a family member, a friend, or a co-worker or something like that. In your time of need... Did those things. What would you say? What would you say to those who hung on a cross next to you? What would you say to those who drove nails through your hands and your feet and put a spear in your side? What would you say? Oh, you just wait till I get to heaven. you in trouble. What would you say to the person who was killing you? But before Jesus could say the three powerful words that we, we declared on Good Friday, it is finished. He said three other words. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. And it was done. He breathed his last breath. And Jesus told us what we should do when I asked those questions. Jesus showed us what we should do when we're betrayed. Have you been betrayed? Jesus showed us what we should do when we've been abandoned. Have you ever been abandoned? Have you ever been bullied? Have you ever been made fun of? Have you ever been disowned, mocked, or abused? One simple word can reverse the curse and the the weight that holds you down, and it's the word forgive. And we are called to forgive others and also forgive ourselves as as we recognize how much God forgave us. He forgave us. The reason our Redeemer lives, He gives us also the ability to live a life of humility. A life of humility. When we see our sins and we go through those those sinful habits over and over again, and yet we ask for God's forgiveness, and and time and time again He forgives us, it's in those moments that we recognize and we appreciate God's mercy. We We appreciate God's riches at Christ's expense. We experience and we appreciate that word called grace. And we humble ourselves and maybe even in a worship service, you realize, man, I've made it all about me or or, or I've had a difficult week. But you know what? There is therefore no, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Father, forgive me. I repent. And Lord, I choose to worship you. When you do that in your life, you are going through experiencing a life of humility. And because our Redeemer lives, he gives us the courage to repent. He gives us the courage to say to the loved one or the spouse or someone, you know what? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Because our Redeemer lives, He gives us the courage. When we look back at our past and present sinful acts or or even our failures, we should want to change our lives. Why? Because we want to live for God. We want to love God. We want to serve God. We want to obey God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you think about those four things, that's the opposite of the bad news that I just shared with you. This is the good news, that He gives us the ability to do those things and more. Because our Redeemer lives, I know that God is with us. How many of you know that God is with us today, amen? And God is with us when we face trials. God is with us when we face difficulties. You and I are never alone. I want you to understand in hell, people are going to feel what loneliness feels like, like they've never felt before. We are not alone. We don't need to be afraid because God is with us. Because our Redeemer lives, I know that Jesus loves us and I know that Jesus values us. Sometimes we don't love ourselves. We don't value ourselves. We don't think of ourselves worthy or, or whatever it may be. But I want you to understand that you are inscribed on in the palm of his hand. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when I say that, when I say the word fearfully, he was like, Oh no, here comes Troy. No, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were precious in his eyes. You were honored. You were loved by God because our Redeemer lives. I know that our life has purpose. All of our lives have a purpose. And for those that are followers of Jesus Christ, we're called by his name. And that is why we must represent God to others. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives wherever we go. Think about that, friends. Because our Redeemer lives, we were created for God's glory. We were created for God's glory. We're living in a day and age where people are making it about their glory, about their fame, about their, 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 their moments in life. But all that we can think, all that we can say, all that we can do, we're meant to reflect God's character. To those around us. And because our Redeemer lives, we were, we were uniquely designed by God. You are not a piece of goo. You are not something that just some rocks collided and all of a sudden exploded and boom, there you are. You are not someone that came from an amphibian or, or, or some kind of a creature. You were uniquely designed by God. Your body and your mind were created by God. They were God's plan and we were made in the process to praise Him. That's why the devil hates it when we praise God. That's why he tries to make it about styles and circumstances and situations. Because when you and I begin to praise God, you and I begin to put on the character of God. And because our Redeemer lives, we were meant to know God. We were meant to know God. We were created to know Him, to believe Him, to understand who God is. I no longer live for myself. The day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ or the day that I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, I said, as for me in this house, I'm going to serve the Lord. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back. And I no longer live for myself. I don't live for this church. I don't live for my wife. I don't live for my kids. I don't live for my mom and dad. I live for him and for him alone. And that is what it's all about, friends. We're new creations. We are called, to, and especially those who call upon the name of the Lord. God moves us from the past to the present in our lives. Jesus is doing something new in us. We're controlled by Christ's love instead of our sins. As soon as we make him our Lord and our Savior. And because our Redeemer lives, we can now have eternity in view. We now have a clear promise from God about his plans for taking his children to heaven. There will, there will be no more sorrows. There will be no more frustrations. There will be no disappointments. There will be no pain. There will be no death. This Easter, my brother is not here. My brother, he's going to turn, he would have turned 56 this coming Tuesday, April 6th. But I'm telling you, he's in heaven. He's in glory. His body has been restored. The disease, the things that took over his life and the many other loved ones that you've lost to cancer and to other things like that. They are up in heaven and they are not dealing with frustrations. They're not dealing with sorrows. They're not dealing with disappointments. They're not dealing with pain or death. Why? Because our Redeemer lives. Amen. Now, well, there's a pastor who used to pastor here in San Diego, California, Calvary Baptist Church for 40 years, from 1953 to 1993. His name was S.M. Lockridge. Maybe you've heard of him or maybe you have not, but man, that brother can preach. I mean, he's the kind of person that you would just want to play it on repeat over and over again. He was good. And there was a, there was a, a short little message he talked about in the middle of his messenger, and it was called, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. How many of you have heard of it before? Maybe some of you have but some of you haven't, but I want to read to you what he he had to say in that moment. I'll I'll do my best to kind of preach like him a little bit, but man, this this guy brought the fire. He said, it's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is sleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying, Peter is denying, but they all don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the Romans beat my Jesus. They put a robe of scarlet on him. They crowned him with a crown of thorns, but they all didn't know that Sunday was coming. It's Friday, you see Jesus walk to Calvary. Blood is dripping, his body is stumbling, his spirit is burdened. But you see, it's only Friday because Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the world is winning. People are sinning, evil is grinning. It's Friday, the soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross and then they raised him up to next to criminals. Oh, it's Friday, but let me tell you something. Sunday is coming. It's Friday, the disciples are questioning what has happened to their king and the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has now been achieved. But they don't know it's only Friday. They forgot that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. It's hanging on the, he's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by His Father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save Him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My King yields His spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan's just a-laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. A rock is rolled into place but it's Friday it's only Friday but Sunday is coming and can I tell you today that Sunday is here Sunday has come Sunday has arrived somebody say amen somebody praise the Lord somebody shout hallelujah but the question is this do you know the Redeemer oh yeah I know him It doesn't show in your emotions. It doesn't show in your attitude. It doesn't show in your actions. At the cross of Jesus Christ, God's redemptive plan came to a climax. Death and sin were defeated. And when Christ rose from the dead, he brought new life to all who would believe. That is why this event that we are celebrating today over 2,000 plus years ago is the turning point of history. The turning point of history is not the vaccine or vaccines. The turning point of history was the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer lives. That is why the resurrection of Jesus Christ still matters today and forevermore. Jesus said, anyone who believes that I am the Messiah and the Redeemer of the world has eternal life. Let me ask you, friend, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you could do that today. You could do that online. You could do that sometime this week. You have a choice. We had a choice to come to church or to watch online. You made a choice. And the bottom line is this. We have choices. And let me tell you something, friends. Jesus wants to redeem you of your past. He wants to give you a new life today. He wants to give you an eternal home with Him in, in heaven, and He wants to be your Lord and Savior. But maybe you're here and you've never been redeemed, but maybe you have been redeemed. And if you've already trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, are you living a new redeemed life? Are you letting go of your past? Are you seeking to glorify God today? Or are you living with a view of and are you living with a view of eternity and trusting our faithful God with your future? Because He lives we can face tomorrow. Because He lives all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future and life is worth the living. We are called to live this life just because He lives. In Acts 2 22 through 24 it says people of israel listen to these words jesus the nazarene a man attested to you by god with miracles and wonders and signs which god performed through him in your midst just as you yourself know verse 23 this man in acts 2 22 or 23 this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of god you nailed to a cross by the hands of a godless man and put him to death But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Death could not hold him down. Sin could not hold him down. It was defeated because our Redeemer lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, in this holy divine moment, we have decisions to make. Maybe we need to forgive ourselves maybe we need to forgive someone else we can do that right now even as i'm talking or maybe lord we have been redeemed by you but we've been playing games at the foot of the cross or maybe we haven't let go of our past because we've been held captive by it but whom the son sets free is free indeed today so maybe you're here and you want to rededicate your life to the lord or maybe you're here and You hear about this Redeemer, but you've never made Him your Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Oh, what a glorious day to make a decision to follow Jesus. Then on Easter Sunday. And if that's you or wherever you may be, just admit you're a sinner. You need to be saved. Let me ask you something. If you were drowning, would you just let people walk by you and say nothing? No, you would yell, help. I'm drowning. Just admit it. That you need someone to save you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on that cross to redeem you and rose from the dead, defeating death and sin, and then confess Him, declare. Mary Magdalene didn't leave that tomb and say, wow, that was awesome. She told everyone, she confessed, she declared, He's alive. He has risen. He is no longer dead. And today, or sometime this week, or sometime this month, we need to declare, we need to confess that Jesus is Lord tell about the goodness of God and so wherever you may be just wherever you might be just say Father forgive me of my sins cleanse me from all unrighteousness Jesus I believe you died on that cross and you rose from the grave and I confess you as my Lord and my Savior today Jesus it's all about you and today I give you the reins of my life have your way in me Lord, whatever it is that my brothers and sisters are dealing with today, whatever circumstances or trials they may be facing, we thank you that you are the overcomer. That our Redeemer lives not just today, but every day of our life. And we can celebrate Easter. We can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every day of our lives. And he gives us those abilities. He reminds us of who we are in him. Because our Redeemer lives in Jesus' name. Amen.